Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This message is from our Pictures of Christ Sermon Series, which walks through the Old Testament and looks at the similarities and differences between Christ and many of the most important people in the Old Testament. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Deuteronomy 34 will be there tonight. Excuse me. All right. During the, uh, the last few months, we've been trying to go through on Thursday nights uh, our pictures of Christ, seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, so far, we've covered seven messages, uh, eight, well, actually, uh, nine different uh, characters or things. And I'm wondering if anybody can remember any of the types that we've already looked at, any of the individuals or the instruments or anything like that. Anybody remember anything? I know it's been, I know we've all slept since then, so it's going to be challenging. Robert, do you remember at least one? All right, the pillar of fire and cloud. Why does Pastor Robert, Brother Robert remember that? Because he preached on it. Good, all right, good. That was our last study two weeks ago, and he remembers that one. Somebody else remember something, remember another character that we did? All right, we did Adam, we did Isaac, another one? Moses, we did Moses, what else? We did Joseph. Uh, we've done a bunch. We've done Adam. We've done Melchizedek. We've done the high priest with Melchizedek. We looked at Isaac. We looked at Joseph and uh, Noah. We looked at Noah's ark. We looked at Moses. And then uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the pillar of fire and cloud, or the pillar of cloud and fire. And of course, with all of them, we've just tried to figure out how do they represent Christ or why, why could they be considered a picture of Christ. And of, I, I think I say it every time, my favorite is Joseph and, and something just amazing things about Joseph, especially his forgiveness and how Joseph forgave his brothers even after they hurt him deeply. And uh, boy, what a challenge that is. I think we could speak on that each week, how we deal with bitterness and forgiveness and every one of us have to grow in that. And so I, I was thankful for that one. And then also I, I think it's interesting Brother Micah preached on Noah and the ark and uh, just how much, how much similarities are there uh, regarding our refuge and the need to tell people and everything that took place uh, with Noah and the ark. And so tonight we're going to come, this is our eighth message in the series, and uh, we're going to look at Joshua and uh, just discover him as the conqueror. And I think it'll be a help to us tonight. So if you need a handout, anybody need a handout tonight? You didn't get one, slip your hand up. All right, Quinn, can we get one to Mrs. Honeycutt right down here? You got it there, Leo. Somebody else need one? And one over to Robert over there. <clears throat> And let's get all get our get our handout tonight, and we're going to uh, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter number thirty four, and uh, we're going to start in verse number nine. So let's stand together, Deuteronomy chapter thirty four. <coughs> Just one verse to start out tonight, and really doing uh, this topical study, and so I think it'll be a help to us. Joshua thirty four, verse number nine. This is not the very first time we're introduced to, or excuse me, Deuteronomy thirty four. Not the book of Joshua, that doesn't have 34 chapters, but uh, Deuteronomy 34, this is the very first time, not the very first time we're introduced to Joshua, but it's the very first time we're introduced to him as the leader, as, the, as now Moses has passed off the scene a few verses before this, and now he's taken, he's taken the seat as leader. And so I want you to see this, 
Joshua, or I'm gonna keep saying that all night. Deuteronomy 34 and verse number nine, here's what it says. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And notice the last part of the verse. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. The children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. I want you to see that last part again. It says, the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. We're gonna look tonight at how Joshua is a picture or a type of Christ. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of Israel hearkening unto Joshua and the need for us to hearken unto the Lord. And we'll see that uh, towards the end of the message here in a little bit. So let's pray and then we'll get into our study tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, uh, just give God permission to speak to you. And maybe something simple of God, please speak to my heart tonight. And then maybe make a commitment. God, as you speak to me, I'm listening to you tonight. <clears throat> Lord, again, we thank you for the day. Thank you for our time together tonight. And Father, I pray that as we get into the study, I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that your word would um, not return void as you've promised. And God, I pray as we study this out tonight that you would challenge us in our relationship with you and in allowing you to uh, not only lead our life, but to provide victory in our lives. And Father, we pray that you would help us speak to our hearts, be with my words tonight. Thank you again for the Simmons family being with us. Pray for your hand upon them. And Lord, that you would just continue to work in their lives and their hearts, lead them to people that need you. And then Lord, bless our time again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> of course, in each study, we've been trying to just uh, name a number of the types and uh, we, you can't really get through all of them. Uh, but take your hand out real quick and let's just notice a few of these together. Uh, some things that we see. Joshua, of course, Joshua's name means savior or salvation. And that's what Jesus is. Uh, if you go over, uh, when we were in Israel this last year, a lot of, a lot of people in Israel, when you refer to Josh or to Jesus, they don't, they actually don't say Jesus. They say Ye Yeshua or Yeshua. And that's Joshua. That's the Lord is our salvation or savior. And so there's the similarity there. Uh, Joshua, he led Israel into Canaan and uh, into the promised land. And the lead, uh, Jesus Christ, he leads the believer into Christian living. Of course, we understand that, and I'm gonna kind of contradict that in just a moment, but when we, when we look at uh, the children of Israel in the promised land, a lot of people say, oh, well, the promised land is representative of heaven. But really the promised land is representative of Christian life, of the Christian living. And if you were here last year, we covered that whole series in the book of Joshua and uh, talked about the unexpected journey and what God desires for us to conquer uh, our enemies and different things. And we'll see some of that. And so just as Joshua led into Canaan, Christ is supposed to lead us in this life. Uh, the next thought is uh, Joshua, he led Israel into their inheritance, okay? This is where the contradiction comes in just slightly. But with uh, Joshua leading them into their inheritance, the promised land is what was promised to them, what was given to them. And the reason that that can be a type of heaven is because heaven's what's promised to us. Now, again, we know that the, the real uh, interpretation and the real belief of, of the promised land is that it represents the Christian life, but it can, it can represent heaven in just the fact of being, the prom, being that which is promised. Well, Jesus, 
He's the one who brings that which is promised into our lives. One day, aren't you thankful for 1 Thessalonians that the rapture is going to happen? We're going to be with him. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And how many of you are looking forward to heaven? Yeah, most of you with aches and pains are looking forward to heaven, aren't you? And uh, man, we wake up with a headache, think, man, how does heaven look today or something like that? Notice the next one, uh, Joshua, he was actually one who fulfilled prophecy. Uh, the Bible talks about them going into the promised land. Joshua was fulfilling prophecy. And Jesus Christ, of course, through the cross and death, burial, and resurrection, he fulfilled prophecy. You can look at the next one there. Uh, interesting little one, but Joshua, he saved Rahab's house because of that red scarlet thread or that red cord hung out the window. And uh, the type or the picture is that Jesus, he saves all those who are uh, uh, receiving of his blood. And you can see the scarlet thread. One man said the scarlet thread all through scripture. You don't just see it with Rahab, you see it all throughout the word of God. And it's those who trust Christ as savior. The next one you see is Joshua. He showed mercy to those who sought it, a similarity of Jesus who shows mercy to those who seek it. And uh, so there's just a few types, a few thoughts. But the one I really wanna focus in on tonight is that one that's underneath there. And uh, that is this thought that Joshua, he was Israel's mighty conqueror and Jesus, he's the Christian's mighty conqueror. And that's what we're gonna get into and look at that tonight. And as we start, I, I wanna start by going to one of my favorite places in scripture. It's Romans chapter eight. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, Romans chapter eight, verse 34, down through verse number 39. You follow along on the screen as we read this. Uh, who is he that condemneth? Is it... It is Christ that died, yea, rather, and is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are, what's the next three words? more than conquerors. In all these things, we are more than conquerors, but notice what it says, through him or because of him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You see right in the middle there, uh, in verse number uh, 37, Jesus said, or uh, Paul said this, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Man, you can think about this tonight as we get into this message that we, we truly have victory because of Jesus, don't we? I want you to think about all of the things that we have victory over because of Christ, all right? There's a number of things in scripture that we have victory over because of Jesus. I wanna know if you can name one. What's something that we have victory over because of Jesus Christ? What? Death. Death. What else? The power of sin. What else? You're like, that kind of sums it, doesn't it? Nope, there's more. There's more. What do, you, what do we think? All right, so what are you saying? The love of God. Okay, well, it gives, us, it gives us the power of the love of God, but let's think of some things that it gives us power over. What is, what is God, what is he victorious over? All right, the end of the world, the grave. He's, man, you can really think about it. If we begin to dig into it, there's a number of things that Jesus Christ gives us victory over. But I want you to focus in tonight on this thought and, and help us uh, 
ask, we'll ask the Lord to help us here just to get in and understand some different things that God gives us victory over. We're going to see three things specifically. We just mentioned all three of them, but I want to go through and talk about how Joshua illustrated this for us, all right? Notice number one, look at your handout tonight, that we can see victory over the enemy, all right? Victory over the enemy. <clears throat> number one, victory over the enemy. When you look at the life of Joshua, one of the great, uh, um, I guess one of the great things about the book of Joshua is all the battles, all right? How many guys like action movies? Okay, I just saw today they're coming out with another Rambo, or yeah, another Rambo. It's like Rambo number, you know, 37 or something like that. And, uh, and someone I saw uh, put on Twitter, they just said, there's nothing wrong with having manly men. And they were tweeting the Rambo preview or something. Uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of people uh, probably like an action video, an action movie. Uh, I love the action of some of the books of the Bible. Man, go read the life of David. And they need to make a movie about the life of David. They've probably tried. Uh, but man, I, I know that the Bible summarizes it well. Man, David, what, a, what an action-packed movie. But the life of Joshua was one of action-packed. I mean, it was just uh, really, it was conquering after conquering after conquering. And you can go, and that's letter A right there, is we can understand what Joshua does is Joshua, he brought Israel victory over the enemies in Canaan. That's what Joshua did. He brought Israel the victory over the enemies in Canaan. I want you to think through this, and uh, we'll go through these very quickly, but think about these victories that he brought, all right? Joshua chapter number six. They had just come into the promised land. They had just crossed over the Jordan River. The very first city they faced, it was great walls. Where was it? Jericho. Man, Jericho. You come in Joshua chapter six and uh, all of the victories that God gave them over the different cities were all different, weren't they? Why? Well, how do we know that? Well, go read Joshua six. They, they're supposed to go and you know the battle of Jericho. Uh, they go and they're supposed to march around the city once a day for six days and it's supposed to be in a specific order. And then on the seventh day, they're supposed to march around seven times at which time they blow the trumpets and they all shout and the walls fall flat. Do you, do you read that in scripture? It doesn't say the walls came tumbling down. It says the walls fell flat. I, I, I like to think that they probably fell in. If the people of Israel were on the outside, walls probably fell in, kind of crushed everybody, took care of it, and God said, I've got you. Uh, but how did they do that? Well, they did that because Joshua followed the leadership of the Lord, and God gave Joshua that victory. You travel on to Joshua chapter number eight. What do we see? We find another victory. It's over a little community of Ai. Remember that one? Well, how did they win in Ai? Well, they won by creating uh, an ambush. And they brought, brought a group in from one side and AI chased after them. And when that happened, then they surrounded the soldiers of AI and took them out. That's Joshua chapter number eight. There's another uh, group that they conquered. You can go to Joshua chapter 10 and you find uh, five different kings that they conquered or four different kings in a people group. King Hoham. Hoham, how do you like that as a name, huh? Anyway, it's like Mamukin from Sunday. Uh, Piram, Japhia, Debir, uh, and then the Amorites. And that, this is the day, Joshua 10, it's famous because Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, and it did. Sun stood still so that they could wipe out their enemies. All right, you travel on. You go to the end of Joshua chapter number 10, and you read that they overtake 
Makeda, Libna, Lachish, Gazir, Eglon, Hebron, uh, Debir, and all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings, Kadesh Barnea unto Gaza and Goshen unto Gibeon. Uh, you can read all of that. All takes place in Joshua 10. And here's how Joshua 10 ends right towards the end. It says this, and all these kings in their land did Joshua take at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. What's Joshua famous for? Well, he's famous for the action-packed life. He brought the people in and he conquered enemies, didn't he? Man, he just cleaned house. And you think a, a list of the kings, you can go read Joshua 12, just lists all the kings and all the people that Joshua defeated and won. But all of those battles, all of them were won differently, but they all were won by the leadership of Joshua. Man, what a great guy. All right, well, here, where's the comparison? Well, victory over the enemy, just as Joshua gave victory in the land of Canaan over the enemies of Canaan, even so, Jesus brings us our victory over our enemy. He brings us victory over our enemy, Satan. Man, aren't you thankful for the victory that you have in Jesus over the devil? Man, over Satan? Think about this, as you and I travel through life as a believer, we have to know that the attacks of the devil, they abound, don't they? I was doing discipleship with a man this week and we were covering First uh, Peter where it says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Boy, what a warning Peter gave. Don't you know that that was said from experience, wasn't it? Man, those of you here in our Life Stage groups on Sundays, we're just starting that series through First Peter and this last week we got the background and the context and understanding that Peter, he's trying to give some advice. Hey, I went through some challenges and some trials by my own choice. Well, when, when Peter writes in 1 Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, I think he's probably writing from experience, don't you? Man, he's probably writing saying, um, listen, I got attacked, I was almost eaten alive, and I want, you, I want to warn you, be sober, be vigilant. Man, the devil, he's going to attack. If we were to go around tonight, we could all probably say, yeah, here's this week, here's something that I was attacked on. Yeah, this week, here's something the devil threw my way. But here's the great truth about it. We have victory over him. And we have victory over our enemy. Well, why? All because of Jesus. I love the passage, the victory that Jesus gives us. Paul summarized it well in Ephesians chapter six. And, and I think about this, I love it. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, why? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles, the darts, the attacks, of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of this, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know that verse, and you go through that gives us the whole armor in Ephesians 6, doesn't it? And what a great with the breastplate and the, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and, and the uh, feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace and helmet of salvation, all of those different things. But you want to know where it starts? It starts at verse number 10, where it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hey, your victory, your victory over the attacks of Satan, they're not going to come to you because you're a strong Christian. Your victory comes to you because of his power, because of him being our strength. And you think about this, because of Jesus Christ, Satan, he can no longer have control of our life. Now, I'm not just talking about being like demon-possessed, though a Christian can never be demon-possessed. 
there's, there's a lot of uh, theories out there. I read, uh, I read an article um, about uh, um, uh, Pete, uh, uh, I don't know how you say his last name, Buttigieg, Edge Edge. The president calls him Edge Edge, Pete Edge Edge, uh, who's running for president. And uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, Buttigieg, Edge Edge, let's call him that. I read an article because his, his husband, okay, Pete's husband, Pete's husband's brother is a pastor of a, of a Christian church. And, uh, and came out against, you know, his own brother and, and the, the family kind of saying, hey, he's not representing us and what we believe. But here's a statement in the article. This is from the pastor of this church. He said, my brother lost the Holy Spirit. He lost the Holy Spirit. Now listen, that, that man, he, as a homosexual, he could be saved. And you say he could be, yeah. That's a, it's a sexual sin, just like any other sin, and you can walk away from the Lord and still be saved. But did he lose the Holy Spirit if he was truly saved? No. But I want us to understand this. What we're looking at is our power. I forget where I was going with that illustration. I do that too much. Uh, our, our power, listen, our power, oh, our power is not of us. It's of the Spirit of God. And so to overcome sin, or to over, which we'll see in just a second, to overcome the enemy and the attacks of the devil, boy, that power has to be of the Holy Spirit and not of us. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't leave you. He's not gonna just flee you. He's not gonna not be in, one, not be in your life one day. No, the Holy Spirit, he provides victory over the enemy each and every day. And what a great, what a great victory, his attacks uh, and really his whole arsenal, the devil's whole arsenal uh, cannot stand against the power of the Spirit of God in a Christian's life. Man, that makes Galatians 5 a little more real, doesn't it? Let the fruit of the Spirit abide in you. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18, walking in the Spirit. Man, having that relationship, why? Because as I engage the relationship with the Holy Spirit of God within me, he's gonna give me victory to overcome Satan. What a, what a great victory. Man, the victory that we have, uh, of course, Joshua, he overcame the enemy of, in Canaan. Jesus, he overcomes our enemy, Satan. I want you to notice number two, what else do we have victory in? We have victory not only over Satan, over the enemy, but we have victory over sin. We have victory over sin. This was mentioned just a second ago. Victory over sin. Here's where we see this in the life of Joshua. Joshua chapter number seven. Joshua brought Israel victory over the sin in the camp. Okay, go read Joshua six sometimes. Uh, the command that God gave to the children of Israel was don't take anything of the people of Jericho. And there was one man that took something of the people of Jericho. Anybody remember what his name was? Achan. Achan, he took, he took uh, a garment and some silver coins, didn't he? And uh, he took that and he hid it in his tent. He thought that nobody knew. Well, Joshua chapter seven, they go, they, they go to uh, attack AI, this little town, they send 3,000 men and uh, over, 30 of them, over 30 of them die and they come running back. And you go read Joshua 7. Interesting passage because Joshua, he begins to mourn the loss of these men and he begins to pray and really pour his heart out to God and kind of complain to God. His complaint is like, God, you're, you brought us over, you help us defeat Jericho and then you forsake us at AI. What's the deal? And I love the passage because God says, get up. You're like, what are, what are you doing, Joshua? There's sin in the camp. And you know what Joshua had to do, and I've never really thought about it like this until I studied for this message. You know what Joshua had to do? He had to have some courage to stand up and say, listen, thus saith the Lord, there's sin in the camp. 
man, somebody out here has sinned against God and we're gonna cast lots. We're gonna, we're gonna narrow this down. And God began to narrow it down to tribe and family and household and then uh, to individual and Achan. And Achan was caught. Achan, what'd you do? Well, I stole of the things that God told me not to. Well, where are they? Well, they're in my tent. Well, Achan, we're gonna go get them. And of course, we know the story that Achan, he died, didn't he? But all of that happened because of the courage of Joshua to confront sin. As a leader, that takes a little bit of, that takes a little bit of courage, doesn't it? You think about it, uh, parents, if your kids do something wrong, uh, now there's some parents, they're just quick to say, you idiot, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> but man, most parent, loving parents, they're kind of like, oh, man, I know I have to say something, but I know it's gonna hurt. I know this is gonna, I know I'm, I'm gonna have to discipline them. This is gonna hurt everybody. Man, imagine Joshua leading these two and a half million people calling out sin. And he brought, he brought Israel victory over sin, over sin in the camp. And here's the comparison that Jesus, letter B on, on point two, Jesus brings us victory over sin in our heart. It's not sin in the camp, it's sin in our heart. You know what? You think about this, that we're taught all through the word of God that just as the devil waits to devour us, he plants little seeds of sin. And he's trying to, through that sin, wait around every corner, baiting the Christian to get away from their walk with God, their fellowship with God. Let me ask you a question. We, we all know the relationship. Can anybody lose their salvation? No. But how many sins does it take to break our fellowship? One. Just one. Just one. Man, that makes it uh, so apparent then to make the word of God, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. That I, might let any, that I might not let any single sin into my life. And you think about this, Jesus, he provides us victory over sin. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Romans 6. Romans 6, I wanna read a, a number of verses out of Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter six, and look, if you would, at verse number 16. Notice what Paul writes. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So verse 17 saying, but you're not that. You're not a servant of sin anymore because you received the doctrine. You've received Christ. Verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but... Now, being made free from sin, ye became the servants to God, and ye have your fruit unto holiness and to everlasting and, to, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's what Paul is writing. He's simply saying, hey, listen, when you got saved, the power of sin was broken in your life. The power of sin. Now, we know that when Jesus uh, uh, saved us, that he... he 
will, will one day save us from the penalty of sin, right? That's uh, at the, in the uh, uh, end times. We're saved from that. Once you trust Christ as Savior, you're forgiven. You're saved from the penalty of sin. But what this is talking about is how we're saved from the power of sin. It no longer has uh, a hold in our life. But what we do sometimes is uh, we're like the little kid that goes and handcuffs himself and then can't get out of it. I would ask how many of you would be honest that you did that when you were kids. Uh, you probably did. You know, you're playing, you're playing cops and robbers or something like that, and you handcuff yourself, and then you go, I don't know where the key is. And it's before they made the handcuffs that had the little lever. You actually had to have a key or something like that. And man, you know what? When that happens, you go to dad and you say, um, dad, you got to take this off. Why? I can't get it. I can't do it. How foolish would it be after dad takes that off to just go back and put your handcuffs back on? Man, it'd be silly, wouldn't it? Now, some of you did that, Glenn, but that's all right. I'm just teasing. You know what? <laughs> yeah, but that's when other people were putting the handcuffs on. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, you know what? How foolish would it be for us to go handcuff ourselves? The thought is this, that when we sin, we're set free. We're set free from sin. But when we sin, we're going back and putting the handcuffs back on. We're, we're willfully choosing. And here's what Paul's getting at in Romans 6. You have power over that. You don't have to sin anymore. I want you to think with me about the power that he provides uh, over sin, the victory that we have over sin. Did you know that you don't have to be a proud person anymore? You don't have to have pride in your life. Why? Jesus gave us victory. He gives victory in the solution of being humble. Uh, think about jealousy. You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to, you don't have to struggle with jealousy anymore. Why? Because Jesus gave us the, the victory, which is contentment. You think about uh, bitterness. You don't have to be bitter with people anymore. Why? Because he gave victory. What was, well, what's the victory? Forgiveness. That's the solution. You can think through all of these things. Uh, lust, you can go through discouragement or anger or stealing or lying or cheating or cursing. All of those sins that so often we kind of put ourselves back into. You know what God says? Jesus said, I I've given you victory over that. Why are you handcuffing yourself? Why, you, why are you putting yourself back in the jail cell? And every time we sin, every time we sin, we break our fellowship with God. And when we break our fellowship with God, we're putting bondage back in our life. And you know what we're doing? We're denying ourselves the power that he's given us over sin. Man, I, I hope that tonight we would understand the fact is that Jesus, he provides victory to us over every single sin. Every one of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 and 57. Verse 58 is the famous one, but 56 and 57 says this, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, victory over sin is all through Jesus. Just as Joshua defeated the sin that was within the camp, Jesus defeats the sin that is within our lives. And I want you to see we have not only victory over the enemy, victory over sin, but I want you to see thirdly uh, tonight, let's look at victory by leading, all right? Victory by leading. <clears throat> victory by, by leading. What do you mean, pastor? Here's what happened. Joshua, he brought the children of Israel victory by leading them in the dividing of the land. All right? He brought the children of, the children of Israel victory by leading them in the dividing of the land. 
if you were to go and it's actually, some people look at it and say, it's kind of a boring place in scripture. Joshua 13 to 21. In all of those chapters, uh, if you were here for our series, man, we go through that. In all of those chapters, it is like, and God said to Joshua, give unto the tribe of Reuben from rock, rock one to creek one and from creek one to creek three and give unto the children of, of Gad creek four and, and rock two. You know, I mean, it's just, it, you say it's really, it's not numbered like that, but it's just a bunch of landmarks. But you know what Joshua did? He went in and in those chapters, we find that Joshua, he just follows the instructions of God and he leads the children of Israel in dividing up the land. What if they would have been left to themselves to divide up the land? Yeah. How many of you have siblings? All right. What happens when you are left to yourself to divide up the dessert? What happens when you're, divide, when you're, when you're left to yourself to divide up the package of M&Ms? Isaac eats them all. That's what, that's what Veronica said. Yeah. Listen, when you, if, when you think about it, if you're left to divide things up amongst yourselves, man, it's not going to work out very well. Man, this is God's wisdom. You go to Joshua chapter 13 through 21. It was God's wisdom in action just saying, hey, I know that you guys are probably going to argue over this because there's a lot of immaturity going on. And so Joshua, why don't you just point out where they need to go? And Joshua said, all right, you guys are over here. You're going to have to climb these hills. You're going to have to go over these rocks. You're going to have to pass through these streams. There's a few enemies over there. You're going to have to fight them. Hey, there's a mountain over there. You're going to have to capture that. And just time and, and Joshua led them in the dividing of the land and he helped them obtain, catch this, he helped them obtain God's perfect plan in their life. That's what Joshua did. All right, well, where's the comparison? Well, just as Joshua brought them victory by leading in the dividing the land, Jesus, he brings us victory by leading in the decisions in our life. He brings us victory by leading us in the decisions of our life. If you think about it, if you are left to yourself, if you were left to make your own decisions in life, and many of you were on that route for a long time, how'd that work out for you? How did that work out, you know, to go and make your own decisions for, uh, for so many years? Miss Honeycutt, how old were you when you trusted Christ? 70 years old. Trusted Christ at 70 years old. And you know what, from her, from her, uh, her testimony and Brother Don's testimony, uh, man, I can't wait to see Brother Don again up in heaven. That'll be a blessing, won't it? But from their testimony, years of just wandering. And although they had a good life and had some uh, ups and some downs, they looked back and said, man, what would we have done at 70 had we not come to Christ? Jason, how old were you when you trusted the Lord? It was last year. How old are you then? 45 years old. Man, 45 years old. Uh, growing up religious, but never really receiving Christ as Savior. And you can talk to, talk to Jason about it. You know, for 45 years, ah, you know what? I probably, looking back, might not have done that. Talk about Glenn. Glenn talking about his life. And for years, Miss Barb, how many years did you pray for Glenn to get saved? A long time. I think, I think 20, 25 years, something like that. Is that right? Okay, so that's a long time. Man, four decades of praying for your spouse to come to the Lord and get right with God, and then they get saved. You know what? What I'm getting at is when we're left to our own, it does not work out well. 
And we don't, even, we don't even need before salvation to do that because after salvation, sometimes we take life into our own hands and it doesn't work out very well. Just as the children of Israel needed Joshua's leadership in dividing the land, we need God's leadership in directing our lives. Like you and I, we need it each and every day. I appreciate what Pastor Robert said, Brother Robert said last or two weeks ago uh, in the series talking about the pillar of fire and cloud. And right at the end of the message, if you remember, he talked about the importance of staying close to the pillar. That the children of Israel, they needed to watch. They needed to keep their eyes on the pillar and keep their eyes on the cloud. Why? Because God said, this is how I'm going to lead you. And the comparison then is you and I, we need to keep our eyes and keep ourselves close to God. Why? Because he wants to lead us in this journey called life. But if I'm ignoring his spirit, if I'm not, if I'm not close to him, if I'm not walking near him, then you know what? I'm going to end up in a heap of trouble. And, and it may not be I end up in jail. It may not be that I end up uh, 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 being addicted to, to drugs and, and living on the street. It may just be that I'm going through life without his peace and I'm going through life without his joy and I'm going through life and I'm, life and I'm struggling with bitterness and jealousy and frustration. And I meet Christians all the time that love, that are Christians that are in church, but they're away from the Lord and their life is struggling. Well, why? because they're not letting Jesus lead and give victory in the decisions in their life. They're not, letting, they're, not, they're not experiencing the victory that Jesus has for them. And I just want us to see, here's what Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount, great portion of scripture. Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Here's what Jesus is getting across after the Sermon on the Mount. Hey, build your life on my principles and it will be strong and you will experience the life I have for you. But don't build your life on my, on my principles and you will fall flat on your face. And again, it may not be the fall flat on my face of ending up in some deep hole and deep sin or something like that. It may be I just end up being 75 or 80 or 90 years old and look back and go, what I do? what I do with my life? No peace, no joy. And you look back with regret. Now I want us to understand, are we all gonna look back at some, with some regrets? Well, yes. But can we minimize the regrets we look back at? Well, yeah. How? Live with him today. Let him lead direction and decisions today. You see, as the believer follows the instructions of Christ given to us through his word, we discover what one man called the blessed life. We discover the life that he has in store for us. And Though there's still challenges, just like Israelites had going into the promised land, though there's still ups and downs, now we're marching through it with his presence, with his direction, with his guidance. And just as John 15 says, the comforter guides us into all truth. Well, that comforter, it's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's God in the, whole, in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit just leading us. But I wanna go back to where we started. Deuteronomy 34. Again, this has been a topical study we're going through and studying individuals, but I want us to look at Deuteronomy 34 as we close tonight. 
Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9 again. Here's what it says. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses has laid his hand upon him. So he was chosen. He was selected to lead. And then it says this. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. The children of Israel hearkened unto him. Pastor, where are we going with this? Here's the thought. You and I, when we get saved, we have victory over our enemy. You're given victory over the devil. When you get saved, you're given victory over sin. When you get saved, you're given victory to make every decision Jesus wants to make. But the key is the same key that the Israelites had to make, the same decision the Israelites had to make in Deuteronomy 34, 9. What was the decision they had to make? To hearken unto him. To listen to him. James 1, 22 through 25, it says not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I want victory in my life. Well, how do I gain victory in my life? Don't just know he gives you victory. Listen to him. Man, have a, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with that still small voice through the day. How do I develop that relationship? Well, we know it's in the word of God. And it's not just checklisting the Bible time. It's getting into it, spending time with the Lord, asking him to speak to us. Why? God, because I need you today. I cannot get through this day without you leading the decisions I'm going to make. God, I have victory over the devil, but he's gonna attack today. Would you be the still small voice that helps me as a prudent man foresee at the evil and hide myself? God, I have victory over sin today, but God, I need to understand that there hath no temptation taken me, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. I need to, I need to be hearing you. Why? So I can hear about the escape. And you think about this, the children of Israel, why was Joshua such a productive leader in their life? It's because they chose to listen. How can we make the Holy Spirit, how can we make Jesus a productive leader in our life? Choose to listen. Man, victory is there. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise. Don't let the devil teach you or share with you that you don't have victory. No, you have victory over every stronghold. You have victory over every sin. You have victory to make right decisions. And so stop blocking the voice and trying to do things on your own and start listening. Hearken to him. Jesus is, just as Moses was the selected leader, Jesus is the selected leader in your life. Hearken to him. Why? There's victory. Man, I don't know about you, but I love Romans 8 because it calls me a more than conqueror. Like it says, Dennis, you, are, you, are, you, have, you have a victorious Christian life. You are victorious. You're the winner. You're the champion. You're the conqueror through him. It's all about him. And so when we think about Joshua, man, what a great conqueror. But he represents Jesus, our conqueror. You know what? You ever seen those little signs? It's on, uh, often on toys or it might, even, it might be, you know, uh, um, uh, something you're watching on TV, a stunt or something. And you see a little sign or you see something comes up and it says, do not attempt without adult supervision. I hated those signs when I was a kid and I tried it anyways. Never worked out. Man, do not attempt without adult supervision. 
You know, I feel like as a Christian, sometimes we need a big sign that just says journey of life. Do not attempt without Christ's supervision. But you know what we do? I got this. Man, I want to encourage you tonight. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Hearken. And the children of Israel, they had victory. Why? Because they hearkened to Joshua. And the times they didn't, go read the book, see what happens. But the times we listen to the Holy Spirit of God, the times we listen to God directing our life, man, victories around the corner. Are there going to be hardships? Yeah. Are there going to be challenges? Yeah. But will there always be victory? Yes. Will there always be peace? Yes. Will there always be joy? Yes. Why? John said it this way, 1 John 4, 4. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them. That them is the spirit of Antichrist, those who are against Christ. Why have I overcome them? Because of this promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, we have victory. Let's start living it. How? Hearken. Listen to him. I want to ask you tonight, just determine what you see at the bottom of the handout. Determine to allow your conqueror to be close and lead every decision you make so that you might experience the real victory which already belongs to you. Let's make that decision tonight. With our Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.